This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Welcome to MLB.com Extras, Rays edition. MLB.com's Mark Feinsand sat down with Rays Senior Vice President of Baseball Operations and General Manager Eric Neander. They talked about the Rays' ability to compete in the AL East despite being a small market franchise, the unique setup of the Rays' front office, and much more. Here's Mark. So how did you land your first job in baseball? First job in baseball was was with the Rays. Um, I was a year out of school. Spent a summer working with BIS, kind of a data collection company, um, and I uh, was fortunate enough to get an internship with the Rays, um, with with James Click, and uh, helping to build the database and some of the the basic foundation of, of the operation from a data and uh, research standpoint. Uh, those of us that attend the winter meetings every year see the hundreds of college-age kids who are scurrying around the lobby looking for jobs. You were one of those kids in 2006. What was that week like for you? Very slow until Wednesday. Um, I went with a collection of guys uh, from BIS, and um, they had they had a lot of action early in the week. And I think I was O for you know three days. Um, from Sunday, Monday, Tuesday it was very quiet for me, and uh, you, you start wondering um, if this is if this is going to play out in a way that uh, that makes sense and, and gives you the opportunity to do what you want to do. And thankfully, uh, on Wednesday I was able to connect with a handful of teams and. Uh, then Devil Rays, now Rays, uh, being one of them, and um, was pretty clear to me at the time that the opportunity was uh, my preferred choice if it if it was for them as well. Been in baseball about a decade now. How, if it, how in any ways have your views or philosophies on the game changed over that decade? Um, humbled many times over. You know, my first full-time year, uh, you know, we, we, we were fortunate enough to play in the World Series, and to have that experience that fast was remarkable, uh, cherished, nothing that certainly was taken for granted. But, um, you know, to, to have a year last year like the year that we had, um, you, in hindsight, appreciate those moments so much more. Um, but, you know, it's it's something where uh, the years move fast, um, learning more and more to enjoy, you know, those special moments when you have them. Uh, and all the reminders along the way not to take them for granted is certainly a big thing. Um, the amount of data, <laughs> the amount of information, be it StatCast now is, is kind of the latest thing. Um, the the amount of information that is in this game now is rapidly increasing at an exponential rate, and just trying to keep up and separate noise from substance is something that uh, has become more and more of a challenge for, I think, all teams. You mentioned StatCast. Uh, StatCast has made some metrics more public to the baseball world and really the fans over the past few years. How do you view those, you know, the fact that that those numbers are really out there now. I know a lot of teams were already using a lot of those numbers. Do you think it's changed the way fans look at the game? I think so. I mean, you know, there's uh, fans like to consume the game in different ways, and I think there's certainly a population of uh, our segment of the fans that, um, you know, the uh, 
StatCast being provided and the contact that's provided off StatCast makes for a greater, you know, experience, um, you know, to consume the game. So, um, you know, at the root of all this, it's an entertainment industry. It's it's about the fans and the fact that if there are people that are really getting involved and engaging with the StatCast content, and that's something that um, that appeals to them, I think it's great. There are some teams that are more analytic heavy than others. Some teams are more scouting heavy than others. Uh, do you think scouting in general league-wide has become less important or less of an emphasis than, than it has in the past? Or do you think analytics has just caught up to it and now people place equal importance on them? I think, you know, at, at the end of the day, we're trying to do our best to anticipate what's around the corner. You know, what types of player performances, um, you know, we're going to get out of guys now in 2017 and beyond. Um, and, you know, we... I can't speak for everyone, but the philosophy of, you know, being open to anything and everything that can help us do that better uh, is something that um, we very much believe in. So I think at its core, this is still a game um, that is driven by human beings, that's driven by um, the perspectives of staff and people that have a lot of experience, but there are other tools that, that provide insight that, you know, 10, 15 years ago you didn't have. So if there's something to be gained by that, um, you know, that's certainly something that we want to take advantage of, but at the same time, you know, that also gives us an opportunity to learn and to evolve the way we see things through our eyes and to make that part of it better as well. When analytics first hit the scene, I know Oakland gets a lot of credit for really bringing them into the game. Uh, they were viewed as really a tool for small market teams to try to counter the large market teams and get an advantage. Now that every team uses them, do small market teams need to be aggressive in finding the next big thing? Tough question to answer. I think, you know, there's probably more attention on it with smaller market teams because of uh, the financial disparity, uh, but it's something that I think probably just about any team is, has the mindset of um, of trying to improve, trying to find you know the, the the next best way or the ways to to make your current processes better. So um, there's certainly pressures on you know on us in order to do that, in order to remain competitive. But I don't think it's necessarily that much different for any team across the league. Do you think? Uh teams are out there trying to figure out the next wave, the next big thing? Yeah, <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think I think absolutely. Um, and, and as that happens, um, again, I, I mentioned it in talking about the stack ass, but just ensuring that, um, you know, as the harder you look, you know, the more information that's out there, it's, it's trying to separate um, the noise from the substance and, and not overcomplicating what in many ways is a very simple game. I mean, at some point, you will have used every stat you can, right? You will have tried to measure, tried to measure everything that's measurable, right? So what? where do you go from there to try to get, uh, I'm not asking for any of your sure. confidential secrets, obviously, but <laughs> where does the team go from there to try to find that next advantage? I think and how that, hard is that? Yeah, I, I think that there, there are things that, you know, almost certainly will never be measurable that are critical to to success. You know, this is this is still a team-based game. This is a, a collection of personalities and people with, um, you know, strong desire to succeed that are doing this day after day after day together. Um, and, and how that all meshes the art <laughs> of how that all works, of, of keeping the motivation levels high, um, to keeping the, the sense of team high is something that, um, you know, as, as we... Um, rely on things that we can measure. It's not losing sight of, of some of the intangibles that, that absolutely go into making a winning club. If numbers tell you one thing and scouting tells you another, how do you decide which way to go? 
merge it the best you can and look back and <laughs> and see and see how well you did it and uh, and, and making adjustments um, based on your decisions at any time. How important is a GM's or in your case the three of you relationship with the manager? Um, I, I think it's it's very important. You know the the, the flow of information. Um, in all directions is, is something that is critical within our operation and our philosophies and the way that we we like to like to run things day to day you know it's um you know no idea is a bad idea keeping keeping the lines of communications open challenging one another in the way that we that we think about things is something that we think is um essential to us improving and for us to being as good as we can be so um if it's mad if it's time if it's myself um, and a variety of our other guys, you know, just having uh, very clear communication lines to, to Kevin, to our coaching staff, and even being accessible and accountable to our players is something that's really important to us. Matt Silverman was recently quoted as saying, quote, there are three of us that can make decisions for the department. Is that risky? What, what happens when there are disagreements with the three of you? Logic prevails most of the time. Uh, <laughs> most you know, of the time. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, not not all the time, but no, I think, um, you know, some of the benefits of, you know, having worked together for as long as we as we have and, uh, you know, in many ways growing up within the organization is that um, I think we all have um, a pretty good sense for each of our individual passions and areas of strengths and how they, how they mesh together. And so... Um, you know, there's there's things that you know I fully recognize that Matt or Heim are probably better equipped to, to handle, and that their voice should carry more weight, and vice versa. There's probably things that, you know, where I invest more of my time, and and they know that, and they're going to lean a little bit more on me. So, um, there there really is truly a I think a very healthy, natural uh, give and take when it comes to this you know any specific decision in terms of who's got the. The, the final caller who we want to lean on the most to, to make that happen and, and frankly it's been something that I think um, has been nothing but positive for the way we've operated. So far what have been the biggest challenges of this type of situation? As far as the, the working arrangement yeah. itself? Um, answering that question <laughs> and, and and how you know and and, and knowing and, and making sure that everyone knows where to go you know who, who if they if they need to get a response if they need to get something quickly uh where do i need to go to do it but um again i'm matt myself we've been involved in this organization long enough where we each have had our areas of focus over time uh, and those people know where to go and who to find in order to get the, the the information and the feedback they need and the guidance they need to do their jobs effectively. You began as an intern in the baseball ops department with the Rays in 2007. How has the franchise's culture most changed during your time in Tampa Bay? Because I mean, when you got here, they were not a winning team. Yeah. Like you said, by 08, they were in the World Series. Yeah, I think... It, it, when I first started, um, the, the operation was much more lean than it is today. Um, the amount of staff is, has grown considerably, but um, and with respect to the culture itself, I, I, I think it's it's largely been stable. I think the you know what Andrew was able to impart from a baseball standpoint, Matt from a business standpoint, Stu from you know from the very top, um, you know it's it's a, a culture where you know there's accountability, there are expectations, but there's stability, there's stability, and there's care for the person first and foremost. And, um, you know, that's something that over time has, has always been there, that the uh, the care for the staff members, the care for uh, the person and the people and, and having a work environment that's collaborative, um, that's engaging, and that uh, welcomes any and all 
perspectives is something that um, you know I, I hope it's continuing to get better, but something that I think was established early and has remained in place. If you're enjoying this Mark Feinstein interview, make sure you check out all the great conversations featured in the MLB.com Newsmakers podcast. You'll hear Mark and other MLB.com reporters chat with baseball's brightest stars of today and the past, as well as the game's best broadcasters and writers. You can download MLB.com Newsmakers today on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts by searching Newsmakers. Now, back to Mark Feinsand. A lot of times when a team has a down season the way you guys did last year, you make quick fixes, throw money at the problems. How much more challenging is that for a small market team when you can't just throw money at the problems? Uh, it certainly makes it more difficult. The margin for error is less and when you go through seasons that are particularly challenging, I think you know you, you, you want to walk that fine line between being disciplined with what you believe and uh, being unnecessarily stubborn, <laughs> you know, and, and, and taking it too far. And, uh, that's that's the part that is I think difficult is when you have the seasons that you know like we had last year um, of knowing like hey what where do you need to adapt? You know when you look back and you take a critical review of what you what you've done. Um, you know, of making the necessary adjustments, but also not adjusting your philosophies too far over just any given season and what happens. Managers often say the toughest part of their job is calling a player in their office to tell them they've been sent down. You had to call Logan Forsythe this winter to tell him he was traded. What's that conversation like, and how, how difficult is that to call a guy who's done such good things for your organization to tell him that he's been traded? Uh, incredibly difficult, and, um, you know, there's... Replacing Logan's on-field production is something over time that um, we're hopeful we have the guys here to be able to do that. Uh, replacing Logan as the person, you know, is, um, you know, is just you don't do that. And, and the respect that that we have for Logan and everything that he's done for our organization, um, to to make that decision and then to follow through to call him and to break that news for him is, um, you know, it's it's incredibly difficult and excruciating. But you. Um, you know, you handle it, you, you try to be direct, you try to be the point, you try to make sure that you make it known to them that you're very appreciative of everything that, um, that they've done. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, we have our job descriptions and things that we have to do that we believe, you know, are in the best interest of the organization, the big picture. And, and this is one of them, and that's kind of what pushes you through to, to make those difficult decisions and to make those difficult calls. The Rays were at the forefront of, in terms of being one of the more aggressive teams with the infield shift. Uh, just trying different things. Where did that franchise philosophy come from of, of sort of pushing the envelope and, and trying different things on the field? I, I think it goes back to you know any any observation, any any inkling. If it's something that you know is identified by a scout, if it's something that's identified within our data, um, if 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 there's something that stands out that we think, hey, there might be a better way to do this. Uh, there's always been a culture where those conversations have been very easy to initiate and to get a lot of people from a lot of different perspectives involved in that and um, an openness to trying things, you know, an openness to uh, being comfortable with failure. And if something doesn't work, like, that's okay. And if something, um, you know, if there is failure, that's okay. Try not to do the same thing again. Try to learn from it. And as long as there's that learning and, you know, culture, growth culture, um, that, that there is comfortable with failure, there's comfortable with making mistakes, and that allows things like that that I think, you know, positioning, looking at it now is much more obvious. It's much more um, accepted across the entire league. But at the time, we, we didn't have that level of confidence in some of the things we were, um, we 
were trying, but we were willing to try. And at the end of the day, having that comfort to try and being willing to fail, I think, uh, has been a driver behind so much of our ability to, to take things on like that. Tropicana Field is one of only two ballparks left with artificial turf. How do you consider that when assessing players in the trade markets and free agent markets who haven't played on artificial turf more than a, a few games? I, I think at this level, the, the caliber of talent and what they're capable of doing, um, it, these players are tremendously adaptable. You know, I, I think it's something that, um, you know, the surface, how it plays, you know, the, <laughs> the roof obviously is another element of all that, that uh, there are things about our playing environment that are unique, uh, but, but guys at, at this level are adaptable enough that, you know, with due time and typically very little time, they, they make those adjustments and uh, very rarely, if ever, is an issue. So you don't bring prospective free agents in and say, let's hit some balls off the catwalk and see how you yeah, respond? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Two million dollars if you catch this ball off the That's beat. right. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. Uh, you called the trade for Jose De Leon, quote, an opportunity we felt we couldn't pass up. Why? I, I think the... The talent itself, uh, what we know about the person, we have a long history with the person. Uh, this is someone that um, we believe in as a person. And the, the proximity of the major leagues uh, are all things that, um, you know, in, in evaluating it, when we satisfied all three of those things, uh, when you have a chance to acquire talent that you evaluate that way, uh, at that portion of their career, um, it's just tremendously valuable for us to, um, to, to bring it into our organization. So, um, you know, it's not something where, as we are trying to be competitive, you know, this year and the next several years, uh, not dropping down, you know, acquiring a player for a ball, you know, in exchange for a player off your major league team. This is someone that we think, um, you know, personality, the work ethic will fit in very well with what we have and is very close to making an impact at, at the Hunter Major League Club. Evan Longoria is entering his 10th season in the majors, which is almost hard to believe. Uh, after making the All-Star team each of his first three years, he hasn't been back there in the past six, even after setting a personal mark with 36 homers last year. Do you still consider him an All-Star caliber player? And, you know, I guess, where do you see his career at this point going forward? Uh, I think an All-Star caliber player, absolutely. Um, and, and I think more than that, I think a lot of... Uh, the thing, the way that Evan goes about his business, what he represents, the the respect that he has from his peers, is something that you know goes above his on-field production in a way that isn't necessarily measurable. But um, you know, he's a he's a cornerstone player. He's everything in a star player that you could ever ask for. Um, the way he treats his teammates, the way that he leads, the way he shows up every day, the way he perfects his craft. Um, you know, that's something where. You know, the season he had last year wasn't a surprise to any of us, and you know, the ability to, to maintain that level of production, or possibly in some years moving forward even exceed it still, uh, is something that um, very much is, I think, his expectation and very much ours as well. He's been the face of this franchise since basically the day he got here. He signed that extension right away. How, how odd is that for somebody to have held that uh, unofficial title as long as he has from literally from the day, I mean, even Derek Jeter, when he got to the Yankees, right. wasn't the face of the franchise immediately. Yeah, yeah, one of those things going back you know, at team level, I said earlier, like to not take some of those things for granted. This is another one where, you know, you, you, to, to have players like him uh, that are wired the way that he's wired, um, you don't take those things for granted and you uh, enjoy the, the time watching them play, the opportunity to work with them. And, um, you know, we're, we're very thankful to have him in our organization, everything that he represents. The Rays have been forced in the past to trade players such as David Price, James Shields, as they crept closer to free agency. Uh, I'm sure you're aware the Chris Archer rumor mill has been hot for a while for the same reason. Do you envision a time when the franchise won't have to go that route? Um, 
Hard to say. I think at, at, at this point, um, we, we have enough on our plates to be worried about getting our team back to where we want to be competitively, that, that that's our focus. And um, it's, it's very near term in, in that regard. And, um, you know, if there's a time that comes when uh, we have to be more mindful of that and considering of that, putting that more into consideration, great. But right now we're really focused on just getting our team back to being competitive in 2017. How critical is it for 2017 for Chris to bounce back from last year? Um, I think I think very critical, uh, and you know not just him, but you know a lot of our guys. <laughs> Even you know there's things that that all of us. When you have a season like that, it's it's never just any one person's fault, never just the players' fault. I mean that's a you know a top to bottom. Um, you know there's a responsibility to go around when when you have a season like that. But you know look, Chris, if you look back, you know the start wasn't what he wanted. Um, but if you look back over you know the adjustments he made through the course of the season, the way he came out of some of those early season struggles. Um, where he was the last couple months of the season, he was uh, probably as good as he's he's ever been, um, you know, in, in, in all aspects. So um, it is very important for, for Chris to come out and, and have a great year, but that's absolutely within the bounds of his talent and what, what he expects out of himself. And uh, that's that's what we expect to have happen, but it's not just him. It's, it's a lot of us. Sure. Uh, you signed Nathan Evaldi this winter, even though he's slated to miss most, if not all, of the season following Tommy John. Uh, the deal has a club option for 2018. Do you like those risk-reward type of deals? And is that something that smaller market teams maybe have to roll the dice on sometimes? Yeah, I think first and foremost, we love the talent. You know, um, the age, the arm strength, the depth of the repertoire, um, the physicality. Um, you know, great guy. You know, to to boot. So those are that's the obvious appeal of it. Um, going through a, a second major elbow surgery rehab is. Um, there's certainly nothing to sneeze at, but we felt that the, you know, for, for the cost and what we needed to commit in order to see his rehab through from this point forward, having, you know, gone through a, a large chunk of his rehab already, um, was something that we felt, you know, with our medical staff and, um, you know, as good as they are, that this is someone we felt like we could get it back on the field, um, you know, with limited risk for setback uh, and, and to be in a position to really help us in, in 2018. And, you know, at the cost that it was required for us to do that, we felt it was an easy decision to bring Nate in. The Rays have been a favorite trading partner of Jerry Depoto during his stints with both the Angels and Mariners. Is it a case as simple as some executives have better chemistry with each other, so it makes sense to take advantage of that in communicating to make deals? Or is it just a coincidence that you guys have made so many trades with Jerry? <laughs> a little of both. Um, you know, I think... I mean, he has to have players uh, exactly, and vice versa. Exactly. So. I, I think it's... Uh, there's a combination there's a trust and there's a comfort that you don't have to do the whole song and dance to get to the end of a, of a conversation on a potential transaction that, that both sides um, I think go into it with a mindset of like this is what we're looking to do uh, you know this is what we're willing to give up does it work yes or no and not necessarily attempting to, to anchor into some far off place and have this painstaking negotiation but to really cut through it and um, and you know, like I said, mutual trust that, um, you know, both sides are expressing their needs, what they're looking to get back. If it's a fit, great. If not, move on. And and the efficiency of the conversations and the trust that's there, I think, has enabled a lot of things to, um, a lot of transactions over time to uh, to be executed. But, um, you know, there, there's probably some part of it that is just a coincidence uh, that our players and our needs of each organization have overlapped the way that they have. Some GMs take the approach of staying out of the clubhouse, leaving that to the players and the coaching staff. Uh, do you think front office executives being in the clubhouse can help break down the barrier between themselves and the players? I think at the end of the day, um, 
we all want the same thing. We all want to win. We all want to win championship, uh, many championships. And um, with that, you know, that alignment being there, and as long as that is stated and everyone understands that, I, when you all want the same thing, that, um, you know, try to put everyone in a perspective to, to maximize their talents. And, um, you know, if their, their players, their staff, or just in general, a culture where people are accessible, where they're accountable, and, and they're there for you when you need them as players, um, we, we, we try to provide that. And uh, if, it's, if it's something, other situations where uh, it's best to give players their space, um, then, you know, we want to do that too. But at the root of all of that is a desire to win and, and recognizing that that alignment's there. Um, you know, I think more and more uh, you're, you're seeing uh, less of a wall, less of a partition between players and everyone else, um, that, that we are all there and to do our very best uh, to support them in their quest to, to win games. What's been your best moment with the time with, during your time with the Rays? <sighs> Ooh, uh, there's, there's been a lot of them. I, I, I think ultimately at the end of the day, uh, the, the relationships that uh, I've been able to develop here, uh, the mentorship um, from the people that um, have been above me is, has been special. But if I had to, to pick one particular moment, uh, at this point, I think it, it would be winning the, the American League and defeating Boston in 2008 in Game 7 and, uh, you know, that experience itself. You know, there, there's certainly others. Uh, there's certainly other memorable games, um, you know, uh, 2011, the, you know, the, <laughs> that, that whole experience at the end you guys, of the season. You guys put was, a, a picture on the wall yeah, for that yeah, one. Yeah, it was, it was beyond incredible, but at the end of the day, uh, we're trying to win, and you know, that was in terms of the accomplishment itself of, of winning the American League pennant, doing it in the fashion that we did was, was pretty special. And uh, to this point, that, that has to be the best. And hopefully, as we move forward here, there's there's one north of that. How about the worst? Uh, man, um, last year was difficult. Yeah. <laughs> last year was, uh, was certainly difficult. Um, you know, again, I, I think that there, you know, are variety of things along the way that you could probably point to as moments that were um, very challenging but uh, you know going into a season where you believe you know you're in position to be competitive and just it, it not going that way uh, and ending up with 68 wins is a very humbling experience and especially on the heels of a couple years where you know we also finished below 500 um, was tough and, and going through that process of reflection and going through that process of um, you know, taking a really critical review of everything that you do, um, you know, was, was something that, to that extent, we probably haven't done, you know, in, in the past. So, uh, but coming out of that, you know, while it was difficult, you know, to you learn a lot about staff, you learn a lot about your players going through an experience like that and, and couldn't feel more strongly with the group of players and staff that we have um, and having each other's backs and, and what that'll do for us moving forward. Season's still a few weeks away. Right now, what would you say is the biggest strength of your club and the biggest question mark? Um, biggest strength of, of our club right now is I, I think that there's a lot of diversity to the talents of the group and how they um, complement one another. You know, I think the starting pitching uh, is something where I think we have both quantity and quality, um, and that's certainly exciting and I think oftentimes sets the tone for the, the success of the club. Um, so, you know, that's that's certainly a big one for us. I think, um, you know, concern, question, et cetera, is uh, just, you know, we, we have a lot of players that we are expecting to contribute in meaningful ways that are, um, you know, 
progressing through a rehab right now or just finishing up a rehab. Um, a lot of players that, um, you know, had surgery to repair something or the other over the winter uh, and um, hoping that those guys, you know, get to the end of their, their rehab process and are healthy you know, are able to come back and contribute uh, as soon as our, our timetables, you know, that we have for them right now. So um, health is certainly the thing right now that, that we're, you know, we're hopeful. You know, there's we're, there's reasons for optimism. The rehabs are going well, but that's that's probably something that's going to be very important to our success this year. Competing in a division with the Yankees and Red Sox, two teams that have never been shy about spending money, uh, in your situation in Tampa Bay, do you look at that as it's just part of the job, or is it is it overwhelming to, when you see them Make a you know two hundred and seventeen million dollars signing in David Price or uh, or whatever it may be. Is it is it you know or is that just what you signed on for and you just go and deal with those conditions? I, I think that every situation presents its own strengths and, and limitations. Um, you know, different pressures, different stresses, and um, you know the our, our specific situation. There's that's not something we get wrapped up in. We feel like we have, if, if we do what we need to do, if we execute the way we need to execute, and um, that, that there's no reason that we can't compete. And we genuinely believe that. Um, and that's that's where our focus is. Um, I don't, there's no excuse making. There's no, um, well, if we had that or we did this, um, you know, uh, as we as we go through things, I think our expectation is to, to compete and to be right alongside the teams in our division and uh, no excuses if we don't get that done. How do you assess the state of the AL East heading into the season right now? Uh, very competitive. <laughs> it's very competitive, and um, you know, I, I think it's um, you know, it's a very deep division. It's a very talented division, but that's that's nothing. That's nothing new. So it's something that I think we look forward to and uh, thrive off the you know the energy and um, you know, the intensity that comes with all that. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 